Hello there, film friends, and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast season two. I'm your host, Neve Brannigan, and today we'll be starting off with a chat with myself and the head of Irish Film London, Jerry Maguire, catching you up on everything going on in the world of Irish film, TV and animation. Jerry will then be chatting to Gareth Daly about his IFTA-winning short, Nothing to Declare. Enjoy! Hello there, Jerry. How are you this week? How you, Neve? Yeah, good. Good, thank you. Good. Have you recovered from the St. Patrick's Day Festival? Uh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it was like, it was loads and loads of fun. It was really great, uh, but it was a bit of an endurance test. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because all our events took place around the Mayor of London stuff, which was the week before St. Patrick's Day. You know, like it landed on a Thursday this week and all the big events in London took place the weekend before. Right. So we had all of those, which for us was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Mm. And then St. Patrick's Day itself on Thursday and some stuff that was on the weekend after as well. So it was like, it was a bit of an endurance test. It's nearly so. bigger than our November festival. In a sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah more drawn out, yeah. Um, but there but was no, was uh, there was a few celebs down at the stall, wasn't there? There was, yeah. We met uh, we met on Taoiseach, Mike Lovely. Martin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he Got his photo in. taken. Got his photo taken with. Um, we were we were mocking about last time we were chatting, saying that there'd be a couple of patrons down there. So what we what we did was um, we got some card life size cardboard cutouts of um, Sir Sharonan and Colin Farrell and brought them down and uh, made a little selfie stand. And um, it was it was very popular. What can I say? I love it. So yeah. are Sirsha and Colin just hanging out in your living room now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually don't know where those cutouts have gone now. I must um they're they're yeah, they're in the they're in the house somewhere. Um The T Shock, the T Shock took them. <laughs> yeah, he took them away to New York with them. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's good. And all the screenings and Q and A's and everything, they went off without a hitch. They were brilliant. Yeah, it was all good. Wow. Very good audience and it was brilliant to be on Trafalgar Square. Um both mm-hmm. me and Madeline were there doing that Trafalgar Square event for the first mm-hmm. time. Oh. Um and it was everyone's first time back. So do you remember like in 2020, St. Patrick's Festival in London was one of the first big things to get shut down. Yeah, I remember f- doing Irish Film From Home that year, yeah. Right, so mm. it was one of the first big events to come back this year. And like, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. I heard there was like 50,000 people took part in the parade and the Trafalgar Square events and stuff like that all together. So mm. it was great. And it wasn't a washout. It was lovely weather, which is always a plus. There was, there was a shower of rain as we started the parade, of course. But like, of course. Yeah, it, was, it was grand. So what's kind of coming up next now for IFL? We have submissions for our festival. We do, yes. So right now, Irish Film From Home is accepting submissions on Film Freeway. Um, and they will be open for a while yet. So if you want your film to be... To be made available to global audiences via a dedicated VOD platform, um, you can go to filmfreeway.com forward slash Irish Film From Home. It's very affordable. Uh, We are looking for submissions of all kinds from all sorts of filmmakers, all sorts of films, and that's open for a while. From April 1st, we open the submission process for Irish Film Festival London. So that's the big showcase event in November. Um, Obviously, we accept submissions for that really early from April through to sometime in August, I believe. Um, It pays to to get your submissions in early. 
in the sense mm. that there's an there's an early bird rate. So from the first of April through to sometime in May, and I should probably know what that date is off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, but yeah, get your films in early, filmmakers. Um, so that one's filmfreeway.com forward slash Irish Film Festival London. Um, if you're a filmmaker and you use Film Freeway, and most filmmakers do, um, you can go on there, you can hit the like button or you can put it on your watch list. Let yourself know in advance and to get your submissions to us. We really want to see them. Absolutely. And I film from home. It's such a such a gorgeous platform. You know what I mean? It's just every every now and then you get a new fresh bunch, bunch of films for uh, for people to catch up with. And I think especially because sometimes not everyone can get to film festivals or get to them online and then they're just gone. I always think short films feel like they just kind of vanish sometimes. So it's always yeah. really nice to kind of either bring them back to life or uh, or bring them back for people yeah. to see that didn't get a chance to. Yeah. And what else is happening with IFL? We've got uh, a new course, which is really exciting do yes so our great friend lance petite professor lance petite is uh leading a course called irish screen comedy at the irish cultural center which takes place uh saturday mornings from late april in through may it's a six-week seminar course and it explores the history of irish screen comedy from early kind of studio-based stuff through to the very contemporary stuff like uh, like dairy girls and and holding and Mrs. Brown's boys and yes, Mrs. Brown's boys is included in that. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's loads, there's loads of stuff. Um, six week course. What we're doing at the Irish Cultural Centre, and we've kind of just announced this. We're just confirming the details of it. We're going to start the course off with a screening of an early comedy called This Other Eden. So that's going to take place at the Irish Cultural Centre on Tuesday, the nineteenth of April. And I'm going to double check that date before I confirm it when we're editing this later on, but Tuesday 19th of April and the course starts the following Saturday. Um, so yeah, it should be good. That's it should brilliant. be good practice. The Irish Film um, London courses are so great. I remember, well, I mean, they're so great because I hosted one of them. So obviously, obviously. I have loads of great things to say. I did a course with, I can't remember how many weeks it was now. I think it might have been six and it was... Uh, with the um, dance fitness company that I run and we did all uh, tunes to Irish uh, or like songs that have been in films which was a lot of fun and then I also remember friends of mine doing the Irish short story uh, filming the Irish short uh, story course as well and they loved it so if you're interested definitely have a look yeah Um, so just to say as well Lance that led the film in the Irish short story he's the Mm -hmm. same leader um, same course leader as is doing this one so if you, you went to one consider coming to the other one definitely and next time we'll be chatting we'll have the full rundown on the Oscars which will be very interesting and Miss Buckley is up for an award and also Kieran Hines loads of awards for Belfast no surprise there Um, so we'll have the full lowdown on that on our next chat and uh, before we go anything interesting you've been watching Jerry? so tv wise i haven't really got into anything i haven't had much time to get into anything new i did finish off season two of raised by wolves nothing to say about that it's just crazy uh a crazy crazy sci-fi really really good fun um I'm not. I'm not going to give away the spoiler um, no. <laughs> of of the Nivalgar's character in that. But uh, yeah, you you would never predict what happens to that character. You would never okay. predict what happens the, at the end of any of those episodes. Just not. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> um, otherwise, like I've been in the cinema doing screenings. Um, I'm going to go to the cinema as a customer this weekend. I'm going to take my kid to see the Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lovely. He is going to want to go to that. And I'm, I mean, like, okay, the Batman is a film that I've not been. Obviously, it's sort of dominated the release schedule for the last month or so. I've not been mm-hmm. mega interested in it. Mm-hmm. I, my only experience of it so far really has been when we did our wolf screening at the Riverside um, for the Patrick's Day Film Festival. The Batman trailer was the last one to come on in the pre-roll before we started the screening. And I hadn't fully seen the trailer before. I know that the Batman film's long. The trailer <laughs> is, is about three hours long as well. Yeah. This was never it's ending. Long. Yeah, it is long. But I have to say, it's also very um, Irish actor heavy, which is like um, Colin Farrell plays the penguin in it. And he is one, unrecognizable with the prosthetics is amazing. What? And two, he's just, I just think he's fantastic. He's such a great character actor. Um, and we also have Barry Keown in there. He's kind of a little surprise. Um, it comes, what? Yeah, it comes very clear who he is or who he's going to be uh, by the end of the film. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like that. It's a good popcorn film. It is long. So you have your excuse to turn off your phone and just switch off and enjoy it. But uh, I hope okay. you enjoyed it. I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think. Well, uh, I'm going to admit, I actually, because it's it's like, because I've been focused on not the Batman, I actually had no idea that either Colin Farrell or Barry Keown was in it. So mm. that's really cool. Because yeah. I was going to, like, I was going to sit here and ask you um, who who's who in it. Mm-hmm. Other, other than Arpats, who is, yeah, like, yeah. I think, the focus has been on Arpats and and the Catwoman character and the relationship between them and so on. Yeah, uh, no, it's a good lineup. It's a, it, it is a really strong cast, I have to say. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to hearing what you think about it. I'm currently nice. doing the Peaky Blinders new season also at the moment. Mm. Uh, and Killian Murphy is he's brilliant I mean it does get I don't know if it's a little bit samey samey okay. uh, but I'm still I'm still going to watch it every week it's the final season isn't it yeah 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 so very right. interested to see how it ends don't want yeah. it to end <laughs> well thanks for chatting with me Jerry. so I'm going to hand the listeners over to you this time for a change with yourself and Garrett Daly Yes, so I caught up with Garrett Daly this week, director of the If the Winning short film, Nothing to Declare, which is, if you don't already know, um, I think I would call it an endearing story of two young men, two, a 10 year old and a 13 year old from Dublin who went on an adventure basically and made their way uh, to England. They blagged their way on the ferry and then made their way to London and then somehow or another, managed to get there on a plane to New York and ended up in New York. Uh, it's actually, it's, it's so, such an unbelievable story, but it's a great film and it, it's told by these two fellas. They're now in their 40s and they're just recounting this thing that happened to them in the in the 80s. And It's a true you know, story. It's a completely true story. Oh like it's a documentary. Yeah. Um, yeah, wild. it's just nuts. It's just nuts. Um, and yeah, it, it's won an EFTA, and rightly so. It's a great film, and it's uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for our, my conversation with Garrett, and okay. yeah, let's see how that goes. Lovely. Looking forward to hearing it. Thanks for giving me the week off. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jerry. I'll chat to you soon. And thanks, Neve. Bye. Thank you.
If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films, and invites to networking events, and so much more. So check it out now. So I am joined today by Garrett Daly of Mixed Bag Media. Uh, Garrett, how are you doing? How are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm grand. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, it's My pleasure really exciting to talk to you about your work and a film a short film which which we really wanted to show in london in march but we didn't get a chance to for various reasons so we just felt like we had to bring you in and talk to you now um about about the work that you do and about nothing to declare um but let's start let's start with you and let's talk a little bit about you um you are a director at mixed bag media yeah um have been for well probably more years than I care to remember now, but it was a company I started um, mm-hmm. probably, oh, I'd say nearly 20 years ago at this stage. And the intent, I suppose, was to produce programs and films that of subjects that would interest me. I suppose like anybody, I think if you talk to people, why did they start a company in the first place? It was probably mm-hmm. to do a project just so that they could get going with something. Um, and I had that I I had sort of projects that I wanted to do so that sort of prompted me to start it I don't think I had any big aims with it and then suddenly you blink and 20 years have gone and you've been doing different projects down through the years but I've I've jumped from documentary to fiction and and radio as well I've kind of that's where the name came from I liked all forms of the media um and I just found that I would go with wherever the story felt right at any given Mm -hmm. time in in all of those mediums yeah. Where are you based, Gareth? We're based in Offaly. So we're right in the Midlands. So mm-hmm. it's uh, we've been here, I suppose we moved here maybe about 15 years ago. Um, we were in Dublin before that, but we moved. My wife is from Offaly and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we moved here. And I really like kind of been based. It was tough originally, I think, in the days before technology got better because mm-hmm. like that, you couldn't do meetings easily or you'd miss out on events and all that. And I think if anything, over the last two years, the pandemic has proven that a regionally based production company can totally survive and you know and 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 it's getting more interesting all the time i mean i was reading just the other day that there's a a film studio planned for mullingar so it's amazing how times have changed in terms of when you look at ireland and you look at the facilities Mm -hmm. that have grown throughout the country and now it looks like the midlands is about to get a huge boost in terms of the film and television industry that's brilliant. Am I am I right in thinking that there's specific support for Midlands filmmakers in Ireland as well? There's like a, a little sort of film hub. Yeah, well, I mean, you have the regional supports that yeah. um, a lot of county councils have started. And Filmophily was one of the sort of first uh, county councils to probably see the benefit in terms of firstly attracting productions to the regions and assisting them. But they also have um, they also have a fund where they will fund projects every year. Uh, and we've, I suppose we've been at the center of doing quite a lot locally. It suits us. I mean, 
we like doing it. We like sort of the involvement of the community and having that sort of spirit amongst people, the opportunity, I suppose, as well, to give people a chance. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you can feel alienated in terms of, you know, the film and television industry and how you might get into it. So that's very, very beneficial as well. So we've we've had the good fortune of being able to shoot like a feature film here, many documentaries here. And yeah, I think it's it's kind of helpful because that just by seeing means that others will grow and others will follow. And I think that's that's a very positive thing. So that's, I think, what the regional film funds have done throughout the country in terms of supporting and fostering uh, either new or emerging companies. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, yeah, definitely they've 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 been successful in that. Um, so one of the successes that have come out of those um, things, and the reason why we're talking today, is your project "Nothing to Declare." Now, "Nothing to Declare" is a short film which we at Irish Film London first heard about via its appearance at the Galway Film Flat in July 2021. If I'm right, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and as I said, it's something that we've really wanted to show here in London. But since we have been looking at it for a London screening, um, it's had some success elsewhere. Uh, it's now an IFTA winning short film. Congratulations on that, Gareth. Thank you very much. Yes, that was wonderful. We were delighted yeah. with that. Um, and it's available in loads of different places. But to go right back to the start of that journey, I'm like... It's an incredible, incredible story. How does, like, how did you come across it as a filmmaker? How did, how did the journey for you start with making this film? So there's a very successful RT radio documentary produced by Ronan Kelly and Paul Russell uh, called Don't Go Far that Keith featured in. And I'd heard that documentary many times. And in fact, it sort of prompted a conversation of that would make a great film. And obviously it kept appearing as well on many, many websites. It's, uh, it's The story is fantastic clickbait, I think, for yeah. various different websites to put it out. And you see it getting amazing traction. So I pursued it early on, I think maybe, ah, it could be about six years ago, um, where wow. I would have approached the two, the two men, um, firstly to locate them and then to get them together. And I sort of spoke to them and spoke to them initially about the prospect of making, making a feature film and um, talked to them very carefully about that and would they be interested. And they had been approached on many of occasions and um, I don't think things worked out for them. Mm. Um, and yeah, they seemed very interested and keen. And so they basically... Uh, decided that they would go with us in terms of of pursuing this and that was uh, that started a process where we we basically got a script commissioned uh, we got a writer on board and the Screen Ireland then boarded the project to help with development and that was all going very well and we were making actually some very good progress with it and then the pandemic hit of course yeah yeah, and it kind of slowed things up completely. Now, along the way, I suppose it's amazing, you know, this story obviously was was has been so successful. I mean, the radio documentary was very successful in the light, mm-hmm. but you still had to you still had to pitch it to international um financiers and that along the way. And mm-hmm. I always found when I was pitching it, I was asked about the guys. I was asked by the financiers, you know, where are they now and what are they doing? Yeah. So 
along the process, I suppose the seed was always been planted that this surely should be a documentary, a complementary, complementary documentary at some stage as well. And so that started to bubble up and thinking, I must get to that at some stage mm. and that, you know, we should do that. And so obviously the pandemic put the brakes on so many other things. So I spoke to Keith and Noel and I said, OK, this might be earlier than what we, we first thought, but how would you feel about us making uh, what was a short documentary to tell the story? And at this stage, it was great because we had a very good relationship. We had worked closely and we had obviously, you know, I'd like to think trust fell into place very early on. Mm -hmm with the writer and with us and through the sort of process of that development that we knew each other very well. So it was not that difficult, I suppose, to, to realize if we could all get together and make this. And ultimately that was very, very helpful because they trusted me and, you know, they were very honest when it came to, to telling the story and very relaxed as well. So mm -hmm. that was it. We just decided, I think it was probably early 2021 when we literally said, let's do this. And it was uh, six months, um, massive production, right yeah. up until its premiere at the Galway Film Flash. So it kind of happened fast in the end wow, yeah. after, after a slow burner. So it sounds like then the Galway Flash, like the Flash in July, but I mean, if you were just in production in early 2021, that's actually a really quick, really quick turnaround. It, it, yeah. So if you look at the documentary, you will see that, you know, an awful lot of it is is archive footage and the like. So, yeah. so it really it really was a massive post-production exercise, mm -hmm. which which suited the pandemic, obviously, because if you could have that more so you were obviously not at risk or putting anybody else at risk. Yeah. Now, obviously, there was filming elements that needed to happen as well. And I now maybe a few of those had already happened, you know, just in terms of prep. But the yeah, the bulk of the of the production was the early part of 2021. And then I don't think I saw the light of day for months <laughs> as, as this massive edit unfolded. And I would have done it in stages as well, because I would have sort of asked myself at different points, you know, is it coming together? Will mm -hmm. it work? So the financing of it was done in stages as well in terms yeah. of does it have a structure will it work can i now go look for some money from financiers <laughs> based on that so it was slow and steady in a way with no real fear because i suppose there was nobody waiting for us that was right. that was one of the big advantages that we the fact that we just decided to go and do it meant yeah. that we were in control of it right from the offset and and it was if we could make it happen and if it was feeling good then we would yeah. keep going every step of the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's such an interesting process. I mean, like to hear you talk about creating a documentary, even a short documentary like that, and working with a writer and story structure and all these kind of things, like like these are these are terms that we more associate with with fiction. Um, rather than documentary production. But of course, if you want to tell a creative documentary in a compelling way, these are these are things that we have to consider as well. But you're somebody who's worked across both fiction and documentary. So I wanted to ask you um, how like, like which which elements of fiction filmmaking you you borrow in a sense to make your documentary. I'm I'm doing I'm trying to not ask you like how 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 much you fictionalize your documentaries or anything like that. But there's definitely like there's there's crossover there, isn't there, in terms of the tools you use? 
I was always kind of confused, I think, when I used to hear people talking about writing documentary and I, yeah. you know, yeah. the, and you'd see you'd see the the writers of particularly big authored American documentaries. Mm. And I always wondered what that meant. And I think I kind of slowly began to realize that it was a lot about structure and how the story could be told. So I decided to try and place that across it. What I was dealing with was the difficulty with what I was dealing with was it was a very linear story. Mm -hmm. So you could break that up. You could find different ways to tell it. But I found that if I could structure it in a way that certainly lent into pace and and always designed to keep the audience engaged, Mm. but also create elements within it that were very relaxed and that were very natural. I wanted to see beyond, like there was a structure on paper, granted, because I knew the story so well. I knew it backwards, having worked with them, having developed a screenplay. I mean, I could tell you every element about it. So Mm. I not much to discover, I suppose, through the interviews. But what I wanted to discover and the reason I put the structure in place was if I could put them into a comfortable situation and have them interact with each other, that the audience would get a sense of who they were and who they are and how they would have done this. And that was the sort of moment that happens in documentary filmmaking that you you can't write and how they were going to interact with each other. So I suppose that's how the two of those worlds collided. And, you know, you come away from a recording session like that, seeing how um, your two interviewees have interacted with each other and you think that was amazing and they were so natural and they were so brilliant and you just have to kind of almost like you would with an actor take your hat off to that because you can't you can't plan for that and it's 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 wonderful when it happens you got to bring it then to the edit suite obviously and see if you can continue that structure forward and see particularly in a really really tight time frame of 30 minutes Mm -hmm. how you Mm -hmm. can tell it and that was that was a real challenge but i think having a plan in place had me keep to it throughout and and stay with it for for you know not not deviating from it was a really important component for me yeah so it sounds like when you say that when you talk about that 30 minute um that 30 minutes timing was it always planned did you plan it to be a half hour thing i plan i think i planned it to be less if i if i took out the the paper edit before I mm. shot anything, I think it was shorter. I think it was probably some, I was hoping for it to be somewhere around 20 to 25 minutes. Cause I realized the longer you go, the worse you're going to be for programmers. And it's really hard to get into slots. Um, yeah. You know, it's like trying to find a slot at Heathrow um, <laughs> with your, with your film. And I had a yeah. film um, a couple of years ago, a fiction film called The Secret Market that Victoria Smurf had starred in. And it was a really nice film, but it was 20 odd minutes long. And it was hard for programmers to find mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. with it because you're you're giving up two slots of other films. So I knew in the back yeah. of my mind, you know, and I, I would lecture. I lecture students on a film program as well. And I'm the first person to say your film should be 10 minutes. Film should yeah. be 12 minutes. <laughs> so yeah, here I am watching the time just creeping forward, <laughs> thinking, Oh man, I'm not even listening to myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but the thing is, there's there's exceptions to that rule. I mean, that is that is good advice, and it's advice that we 
at Irish Film London when people ask us about like how do we get our how do we get our films into your festival and so on we do say like that is a, a pretty good rule to go on in most cases 10 to 15 minutes is the maximum because it's like you say we have a 90 minute program that we want to fill with as many films and as many things as as many experiences as we can and if your 20 minute film isn't very if it's a, if it could have been a 10 minute film then it's taken up the spot of two films in this instance nothing to declare really holds its screen time i think and it you know i think this is reflected in its success and it's if the if the um award and everything so um yeah i think that yours is in a sense the exception to the rule a story like this that that sort of works across a longer time frame like it's almost I, a mini it's almost a mini um like a tv episode or something yeah yeah um i had someone come up to me after the screening at the dublin film festival and they said they were looking at the program beforehand and they went oh 30 minute film at the start of the program. <laughs> oh, why? And then they said that it just went by in the yeah. blink of an eye, that they didn't notice the time, which was a wonderful compliment. But I suppose that that was what I was aiming for with the structure, that once once it got going, it never stopped. And it just left you kind of mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. engaged and you don't try you just, like for something that is actually quite simple in mm-hmm. terms of how it's shot and how it is done. It's it's incredibly engaging, I suppose, because of how they tell the story and the pace of the edit. And I suppose that was my that was my attempt to keep it as a sort of fast moving crowd pleaser that people would just be thoroughly engaged in. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me the story of what's happened to it since Galway? Because and since, you know, because it's, it's been you, the film has made its own journey to New York in the meantime and so on, hasn't it? It was amazing. Yeah. So Galway was terrific. It was a virtual festival Galway that year. They'd only a couple of things in person. Mm -hmm. So it was quite strange. I knew that sort of going into the festival circuit that I suppose we didn't know would we be in person and stuff, but we've made peace with that early on. So it felt a little bit strange because we didn't have that experience of, you know, going to the town hall and, and all of that. But getting the win in Galway was amazing. I mean, it was just we were so chuffed with that. And it just you know, felt like it gave the the film this slingshot out into mm-hmm. the world. Yes. Um, and so the next thing, I suppose, was where we would do a, um, and that was an Oscar qualifying um, award as well. So mm-hmm. that was interesting because I've never sort of been down that route before. So that was there to sort of explore in whatever <laughs> field that that was going to be. Yeah. So the next thing was obviously to, to look for a, 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 new, uh, a US premiere and we always thought if we could go to somewhere in New York, wouldn't that be just terrific? Mm. And we were so lucky to get Doc NYC, which is America's largest documentary festival, yeah. took place in New York in November. And we got selected. We didn't think we could go because there was still no travel to the U.S. at that stage. Um, you couldn't fly into the U.S. And then the week that it was screening, it had been announced that travel opened up so out of the blue it looked like we could go so we were so lucky we managed to get to new york for that and just ahead of it the head of the festival they called us and said that we were being put on what's called their shortlist we didn't Mm -hmm. know what it was at the time and their shortlist was the 15 films that they were picking that they thought were going to be long listed for the oscars uh, the 15 short documentaries so this came out of the out of the blue for us we were really surprised 
and not kind of even contemplating or thinking about it suddenly then, you know, you yeah. let your imagination go wild and go, what? We're on this short list. So that was amazing because it gave profile to the film mm-hmm. instantly. Um, the festival was great. It was in person. It was also online as well across the US. And from that festival, we were approached by the New Yorker magazine mm-hmm. who wanted to acquire the film for distribution in the US. And that was, I mean, talk about sort of brand partnership. One of the things I realized going to the festival in New York, and I think this is important for filmmakers, particularly of documentaries, short documentaries to to realize. When I looked around at all the other films that were in that festival and the ones that were on the short list, I say with us, the ones that were on it that we were lucky enough to get on, they were all documentaries from big players they were all new york times netflix amazon paramount plus mtv films pbs uh you know the new yorker had some films themselves Uh so the market for short documentary in the u.s has become a very competitive field now Mm. backed by these big players because what they have found is that there is a showcase for these. The newspapers that have their new their own documentary channels now, yeah. like the New Yorker and the New York yeah. Times, are carrying huge audiences. And yeah. they are now they've now become the big players in the sort of Oscar races, but also in the acquiring of these films. Right. And that was a surprise to me because I didn't, you know, I think live action short at the moment is probably still a field where new emerging filmmakers come through. But in this field, it's now quite dominated by big financiers. So we realized very quickly this Oscar race that we were supposedly in was a very expensive race to be in (laughs) because they were all doing massive advertising campaigns. They all had agents and they all had PR representatives. And so I quickly realized that, yeah, this is a big playing field. But nevertheless, we ended up on The New Yorker in January after the acquisition. And that was just brilliant from from a festival to show that there was actual, you know, buyers as such that were keeping an eye on the program. And that suddenly took care of sort of U.S. distribution in one in one move and in one Mm -hmm. festival. And yeah, you asked about the film. It went on to many other festivals in Ireland. Uh, brilliant screenings. Some then happened in person. We've been fortunate enough to pick up a few awards along the way and other festivals as well. And uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been really wonderful because the film has played so well to people in, in screenings. The reception's been really warm and I've thoroughly enjoyed it as an experience because I get to sit back and watch people just revel in this wonderful story that these two yeah. guys tell. Yeah. And it's the most enjoyable experience. Oh, well, good. I mean, it's well-deserved, Garrett, so it's really good to hear it. Um, we, we've, we've mentioned as to how it's not screened in the UK yet. We'll yep. see, see what we can do about that. Um, and yes, exactly. London. Where will people in the UK and Ireland, will they be able to see it um, at any time soon? Yes, well... RTE have acquired the film now as well. 
So they're going to be screening it, um, I think, in the next couple of months. I don't think it'll be too long. So they're, mm-hmm. they're planning a broadcast and then a player release of yes. the film as well. So that's going to make it widely available to people. Um, and then there are other broadcasters that, are, that we're in conversation with for the film as well. And then other festivals, it hasn't finished its festival run um, because there's other territories and other places that it's, 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 it's going to screen in. Um, there's something about the story that I think, you know, uh, crosses over and people get anyway. So different territories that we mightn't have thought might be interested in it are interested in it. Yeah. Um, airlines as well, it's going to be screening on various different airlines. Oh, so- I was going to ask you about that because isn't that so ironic? I would love to be sitting on a plane and to see somebody watching that film and thinking <laughs> about these two boys in yeah. 1985 going all the way to New York. It would be it would be wonderful. I'd um, just be looking around me looking for the kids that are, are without parents at the back of the plane. <laughs> I can't wait for that day to, to, to have it on an airline so people get to watch it in that and, and experience it. It'd be brilliant. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Cool. Um, and Garrett, what's coming up next for you and Mixed Bag Media? So we are still working on the feature film of uh, the fictionalized version of the film. And that's still moving forward, actually. And the documentary is um, helping in terms of it being a complementary piece to it. Mm-hmm. And, and actually getting people's attention. So that's kind of in, in um, re, uh, sort of um, shaping itself for, for development. So that's happening. Um, we've got another couple of projects, fiction projects um, in development with uh, Screen Ireland. We have a, um, a sort of horror gothic film called The Foundling from a great writer called Aoife Bradshaw. We also have um, uh, an adaptation of a novel called Quiet Tide that's in development as well and we've got a couple of documentaries as well that we're doing so plenty of um plenty of projects to keep us going i think you realize you don't know which one is going to go first at any given time Mm -hmm. so you're trying to you're trying to spin a couple of plates to see i like i have liked the experience of the documentary i must say um Mm. because obviously i've done documentary over the years but similar to radio you kind of get you you get to production quicker, right. which in fiction, anybody that is you know working on the producing side or trying to develop just because of the scales of finances involved, yeah, yeah, it it takes years. And if you're creative, sometimes it can be very frustrating because you mm. feel like you're nowhere near filmmaking at times, yeah, and you're having endless meetings. So for me personally, I have to say that going so fast with the recent production and then mm. having the joyous experience of it hitting the world has been incredibly fulfilling. And it has made me think about doing sort of more documentary, um, you know, because of that efficiency of speed that it can happen and the, the, the lack of need to raise masses and masses of finances. And I think I'm lucky in the sense that I can jump between the two mediums. But certainly, personally, I think it's something I'm going to explore more and, and now want to it's sort of reignited a, a passion in me to tell more stories with people. So hopefully more of that. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Well, look, Garrett, thank you so much for joining me and talking to me about Nothing to Declare and the rest of your work today. Um, I want to continue Neve's 
uh, little tradition that she's had um, for this season of the AFL podcast. I haven't I haven't warned you about this in advance, but <laughs> um, I want to ask you if you have a favorite film, um, and indeed if you have a favorite Irish film or something that has influenced you in the work that you do. Right. Okay. Favorite film. I'll start with favorite film first of this year or in general. Oh, in general, it can be anything. I sometimes say one. I sometimes say Casablanca, which is like a very old film, very old film. But I just can't find a fault in it really in terms of the filmmaking. Well, I I know the one that I return to a lot, and I mean it's it's highly commercial, but there's just so much about it and the filmmaker, um, and it's the age that I am as well. I've returned to Raiders of the Lost Ark an awful lot. Oh wow. Um, yeah. An awful lot. I absolutely, I mean, I grew up watching it on TV, but obviously the older I got and the more I, I got into film, the more I appreciated it. But just as a sort of film, as to, I suppose why I got interested in filmmaking initially, the escapism of it, the experience mm. of it, the adventure of it. I loved it so much. And obviously I've introduced it to my kids uh, and have watched it with them. And out of that grew a huge passion for, um, uh, for, for, for Spielberg and the types of movies that he did. So much so that I even loved West Side Story and I'm not a big musical fan at all. You'd find mm-hmm. it hard to get me to watch musicals, but I absolutely adored what he did with it. So yeah, I would say Raiders of the Lost Ark as a film that Brilliant. I returned to. Um, no surprise then that I was attracted to an 80s story, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> As for Irish, okay, let me think. Irish. Um, I loved, I, I I'll go with a recent one, Iraq. I loved that. I thought it was a, a terrific film. Um, mm. I, I, I just love the bravery of it. I love actually how, um, you know, these Irish language films are, are, are just, you know, um, dominating. Um, yeah. We've seen it with on Colin Kuhn and how well they're doing, yeah. and and just something about that film. I just loved the tone of it. I thought it was yeah. beautifully made, and it drew me in completely. And I would mm-hmm. say that was. And I didn't see it on the big screen. I saw it at home in one of the festivals. Uh, yeah, and okay. I, I I lamented not seeing it on a big screen, but it still had a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. So I would mm-hmm. say that's a film that recently yeah. I really, really, really liked. I'm nodding vigorously in agreement at that because I obviously I loved it as well. Like it was the opening film for our Irish Film Festival London last year. And we so I did get a chance to see it on the big screen with people as well, which was which was brilliant. But yeah, um good choices, Garth. Good choices. Oh thank you. I'd love to see people engaging with those types of stories more, you know, because you know, every filmmaker wants a, a cinema release and it would just be lovely. I mean, that film deserved a huge audience. I know it has done well and I know it did well at the festivals and it got yeah. a cinema release. But yeah. that I would have loved that to have just been a huge box office. It deserves oh, to be in yeah. Ireland. And it's an important story and it was told brilliantly. And if we could just you know, get people to engage with those types of stories more. I think that would be fantastic because they're deserving of it. And then that would slingshot them out of this country into others. And if, as, yeah. a, as um, you know, as a nation to appreciate our stories on screen, um, that's, that's the type of film that's deserving of it. So uh, it certainly had a major impact on me. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, um, but that's, that's excellent. And I think with that call to action, We'll, we'll wrap up our chat for today but Gareth thank you so much for joining us and for t- talking to us about the film and sharing your views 
delighted to and let's make that screening happen uh, and we'll, yeah. we'll do it in London hopefully soon enough hopefully sooner rather than later indeed cheers thanks very much Gary lovely to talk to you thanks And that's it for this week's interview. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme. Myself and Jerry will be back in a fortnight with a brand new interview. See you then.